What's going on, people? It's your boy, Kalechi, back with another episode of the Rambling Mind Podcast. How are each and every single one of y'all doing today? I hope y'all are staying safe. I hope y'all are taking care of yourselves. I hope y'all are doing all the things you know you ought to do during these times. Man, it's been a minute since I've been able to sit down and create an actual podcast for the news of the week. Your boy has just been loading himself down with way too much work. My brother called me Mr. Go, Go, Go because he's like, yo, I live with you and I barely see you. It's like basically I only see you when we go play soccer together on the weekends because your boy in and out, in and out, in and out. But anyway, 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 I'm just glad to be able to create this podcast today. We got a whole lot to talk about. We got to talk about the fact that it feels like the world is going in reverse when it comes to things like climate change and all of the things that we talk about all the time. Uh, It feels like we're relearning lessons that we should have learned and stopped learning about because when we overlearn a lesson, we tend to make mistakes that we don't need to be making. We'll talk a little bit more about that. And then we'll talk about Apple facing its first ever union, which I didn't think I would ever see a world where Apple, who pays its employees pretty well, ever had to deal with unions, but they're facing a union. And then we got the stats of the week with Texas being dumb. Let's just be 1000% Texas being dumb with some of the things that they're doing. But we start off this podcast talking about Jerome Powell going before Congress. And once again, Congress showing just how inept they are at doing the job that we put them in place to do. Oh my gosh, have anybody in Congress or anybody in Senate, do any of y'all understand how economics works? Do any of y'all actually understand how supply and demand works? Because it just feels like they were asking some of the dumbest questions to this man, Jerome Powell. I'm like, yo, Jerome, I finally understand why you can't get done. I finally understand why you feel so much pressure. I mean, when Jerome Powell had the press conference last week, this man just looked drained. This man just looked exhausted. Because what it showed is Congress is dumb. Congress has no idea what the f- they're doing. Look at one of the questions that we're asking him is like, yo, Jerome Powell, can y'all do anything about the gas prices that consumers are filling at the pump right there? And he's like, whoa, 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 why are you asking Jerome Powell who all he can do is control monetary? Let me repeat, monetary spending. In other words, all he can do is finance things. In other words, all he can do is talk to banks. My guy can't do anything on the fiscal side, which is the job of Congress. And they're all here talking about, yo, Jerome Powell, like, yo, gas is getting expensive. It's like, what? Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is the, and I think the main problem, it's not the fact that they're asking the questions. It's the way they're going about asking the questions. Because what they want to do, what every single one of these stupid politicians want to do is go back to their constituents and be like, yo, I asked the questions. Yo, I asked the questions. Because I cannot believe that none of them understand exactly what's going on right now. They were asking Jerome Powell about, oh, house prices are getting more expensive. I'm like, what part of it is on y'all. Your job is to put laws in place so people can actually build more homes, more affordable homes in places where people lead or leave rather. But no, what do you guys do? You put in stupid laws in place that protect investors or protect those who already own homes, which make it into an investment property nonsense, which make people think like, yo, if I buy a house, I want to make sure that everything I do makes the value of my home go up. That's why we have nimbyism. That's why we have people who is like not in my backyard where we can actually build like multifamily properties or build five duplexes or all of these things. But they're asking Jerome Powell about, yo, so interest rates are going up, so inflation. And it's like, yo, what are y'all doing? Y'all ain't doing the job you're supposed to be doing. Listening to Congress talk is just like, 
What are y'all doing? It's just simply, like I said earlier, they're just posturing. That's all they're doing. All they're doing is posturing to make sure like, yo, nobody can say I didn't ask these questions. Nobody can say I didn't do this. Nobody can do this. Like, all they're doing is posturing. They're not trying to solve a problem. They're just trying to make sure they get votes. And it's extremely frustrating to watch that happen. Because what all it does is it leaves people floundering. It leaves the economy in a state where they're not trying to solve any single problem. And we'll talk about it again with the fact that the federal government is out here talking about, oh, we're going to remove the gas tax, which ain't going to do jack. We're going to remove the gas tax, and that's the thing that's going to help solve inflation. No. The inflation is brought on by a plethora of different things. You really need to find better ways of educating the public on what is actually going on. We went through COVID. We had to spend a lot of money. Do you want to go into a depression? No or yes? Like, it just really frustrates me because all they're trying to do is basically like look at it and be like, yo, how do we blame whoever is in power right now to make sure that I can get the vote to take over? That's all that's happening in Congress. And it really, really, really ticks me off. It really annoys me. Because it means they're not doing the job that they're supposed to be there doing. In other words, putting in laws in place to ensure that people can survive. Housing is too expensive. It shouldn't be as expensive as it is right now. It's okay that gas is expensive because guess what? We need renewable sources of energy. In other words, we need to have been doing things about this a long time ago. But we didn't. Why didn't we do it? Because guess what? Everybody wants their cake and eat it too. But anyway, anyway, I'm just going to... I'm going to lay back because it really hyped me up. Just watching Congress, it just reminded me of when I was watching Congress talk about big tech. Because in that situation just as well, they had no idea what they were doing. And it's just like, it just showed unbelievable levels of ineptitude. Unbelievable levels of you really, either you choose not to know or you don't know, which in either case is not good. Because these are the people that are supposed to be guiding the way that we move forward. But everybody is so freaking short-term oriented. Which leads us to the next thing that we're going to talk about. Which is European countries are using that UNO reverse cards and firing back up coal plants. Because guess what? Russia is like, yo, y'all thought. Y'all thought you could just kick us out of the system and not pay a price for this? Nah, 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 nah. So Russia is basically suctioning or limiting the amount of oil that they sent to European countries. So European countries are now having to backtrack, especially Germany is having to backtrack to be able to now start using coal. And here's the thing. Coal plants are not cheap. Not in the year 2021. I work in the utility industry. Coal plants are expensive to operate. They are expensive to operate in this day and age because of the amount of things you have to do within a coal plant. In the past, coal was super cheap to use. Why do you think most of these companies, like for the company I work with, one of the reasons we're moving away from coal plants is not because like, yo, we're trying to be good for the environment. That's what we're going to put out. That's the press release we're going to put out there. But in reality, it's about the dollars. It's about the, it's too expensive to be operating coal. It's a lot cheaper for us to look at natural gas, renewable sources of energy. So the fact that we're seeing European countries fire back up coal, it also shows, it causes me to think back of how did we get here? And it's very simple. Germany being the key culprit of this entire thing decided after what happens in Fukushima in Japan with their nuclear meltdown that they were killing every single nuclear reactor that they had. Again, dumb. Why? Fear of the people. I want to make sure that I have my votes, so I'm going to shut down all of these things. Again, short-mindedness. 
short-mindedness. Whether we like it or not, nuclear is going to play a huge, massive role in the way that we generate energy moving into the future. However you feel about that is how you feel about that. That's just the reality of where we are. Nuclear is one of the few sources of energy that's going to be clean and is going to generate enough power for us to be able to use on a regular basis. Also, a lot of people conflate nuclear energy with nuclear bombs. It's two completely different technologies, my guy. Two completely different technologies. But regardless, the point is we are going in reverse with a lot of things. We have an opportunity to do things to change the future. And we're like, nah, it's too painful. Nah, it's too painful. We can't be doing that. And look, I also understand like there's a lot of people who are suffering through this because for me, I can take on that inflation. I can take on the extra cost. Thank God, because I have a good living. I'm able to adjust my lifestyle to take on that inflation. And I understand that most people cannot do that. I'm looking at the government more than anything else of like, how are you using this to make better plans for the future? Because all I see is very reactionary. Nobody in government right now is saying like, how can we use this to ensure that we take the next step to ensure that we're never in this place again, where gas and gas is no longer the main thing that's causing everybody to freak out whenever we're talking about inflation. How do we make sure that we're putting things in place now? They're putting things in place now to ensure that in the future, we're no longer using electric, we're no longer using gas as a main source of transportation. How do we do that? How do we start incentivizing people to go buy not gas powered vehicles? Like, for example, if we look at the United States, why is it that we are still limiting the amount of the amount of tax credit that people can get when they buy an electric vehicle? I don't understand this. You keep talking about, oh, by 2030, every car on the road should be electric, but yet you're limiting the amount of cars that companies sell to get electric credit to like, what is that? I think it's like 400,000 cars or something like that. Not even up to that much. It may be like 100,000 cars, maybe at that, maybe. Why? Why is it limited? You want to incentivize people to do the right things, which is what the government is there for. Nudge people in the right direction by giving them tax credits. Push people to do the things that you know will actually help them in the future. Why do we limit it? I finally understand now why we don't have a carbon tax. Why? Because people don't like paying. If you put a carbon tax in place that says for every corporation and every business, yo, for every carbon thing you emit into the environment, not stupid carbon credits, which is useless, carbon tax, if you put that in place, do you know how many businesses will change their practices like that? A lot. Because all of a sudden, it's hurting the bottom line of shareholders. And shareholders will be like, yo, change up the, these things real quick. Because this ain't working. But why? Why do we not? Because we want our cake and eat it too. We have lobbyists that go to government officials and say, like, yo, you don't want to do that. You know, you got voters. You want this money to be able to run your campaign. You don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. Calm down. Calm down real quick. You don't want to do none of that. So I just find the whole thing ridiculous. I find it ridiculous. Now, will I take the tax credit? Of course I'll take the tax credit. It's like it's like the tax laws that we have here in the United States. Is it dumb? Should people be paying more taxes? Heck yeah, people should be paying more taxes. But you know what I'm going to do when I have the opportunity? Find ways to cut my taxes. I play the game. I ain't going to be dumb enough to be like, oh, you know what? Just because it's there doesn't mean I... No, 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 no. We take advantage of this stuff. We use it to our advantage. Now, we will be on a pilgrimage for it to get changed. Yeah, sure. But I'm going to still take advantage of it. I'm going to still take advantage of it because I ain't dumb. I ain't foolish. So I just, I just find the whole thing right now. And then we go into the next thing of like overlearning lessons. So many companies and so many people are basically positioning themselves for a recession, the style of 2008. 
Every single time I come out and I'm listening to com companies talk about it, everybody's referencing back to 2008. If we have a recession, it won't be in the style of 2008, my friends. It will not be in the same model. History doesn't repeat, but it definitely rhymes. So even if we get into a recession, it's not going to look the same exact way. The things that are going to blow up are not going to be the same things that blew up in 2008. And so you have a lot of companies that are positioning themselves to do things that is not helping. So for example, we look at home builders who are choosing not to build homes when right now is a good time to be building homes. Because what? They still are learning lessons from 2008. Look, I have so many people, so many friends who are like, yo, I want to buy a house. I want to buy a house, but I can't buy a house. Why can't I buy a house? It's too expensive. Why can't you buy a house? It's, there's no supply on the market. There's only a few houses. Yo, home builders, you can win. Home builders, you can win in this market. Now, you can't just be out here just building any which way. You have to know how to build. And also, you have to fight all these stupid NIMBYs. But, you know, that's besides the point. But the point is, you can still win in this market. Yo, oil companies, I get it. I mean, part of it is the, the administration needs to make things a little bit easier for so that y'all can produce more oil. But y'all can win too. You can invest back and win in this environment. And plus, you can get people to love you again. I'm just saying... You can get the public to love you. Right now, the public hates you, oil companies. I'm just saying. Like, you winning. You're making your balance book look a lot nicer. As shareholders, we're, we're making money off y'all. and We're happy. We, we'll keep taking them dividends. But, like, you can do more. You can do more. So, there's a lot of lessons that companies are relearning from the old days. The reason why we have an energy crisis right now is based off of lessons that we learned back in 2014 when we had the shell crisis. Where so many companies went out there and were drilling all over the place. And so now companies are like, yo, we ain't about to spend all this money. We need to make that money. We need our balance books to look a lot better. And then you talk about the fact that they went through 2020 when nobody was driving anywhere and their profits was basically vanished. They had to fire a lot of people. It was not a good look, but they were struggling. And so now they're like, yo, we need to make up for lost time. And I can't really blame them for that because we live in a capitalist society. Let that make their money. Plus, it hasn't been easier for them to go out there and find more places to produce more oil. So when you hear Biden talking about the fact that, yo, all companies should produce more oil, just tune him out because it's not like they can because they've already hit max production. The problem we have is we lost 10% of oil production in the world. When you cut off 10%, it doesn't sound like a lot, except when you think about somebody else has to fill that 10% oil. That's a lot of void being filled up right now. But even then, even at the same time, Russia is still able to sell their oil on the black market in other ways. So that's a whole other thing. The point that I'm trying to make with this whole thing is when you hear people come out and say stuff, always think about what is causing them to say the things that they are saying. Because there is a reason why they're making the decisions that they're making. Morgan Housel says that people who make decisions are not making it because they're stupid or they're foolish. There is something that's driving it. And for right now in the, in the crisis that we're seeing from a lot of companies, it's being driven by past issues that they've seen in other times of crisis. This is why companies are positioning themselves. They're having massive layoffs. I mean, uh, Tesla just announced another 10% layoff for their workforce, for its workforce. Why? It's positioning itself to make sure that it doesn't face the same crisis that a lot of companies did back in, uh, back in 2008. It's looking at companies like GM, looking at companies like uh, Chrysler and all these other companies that almost went defunct back in 2008. And it's like, we are, we are not trying to be those companies. And so they're over, there's an overreaction, in my opinion, to like, oh, inflation is bad and things are really, really bad. Now, don't get me wrong. Inflation is bad. We might go into a recession, but I don't know if we're going to go into one for sure. 
but everybody's positioning themselves for one. And that this is, and you guys know me, I've been talking about this for a while now. Like, make sure you have your emergency fund. There's not much you can do apart from that. Just make sure you have that emergency fund in place. And then there's Apple. Man, I feel for Apple right now. Apple is like, yo, we paying our workers the best that any store can pay anybody. Like any retail store can pay anybody. We pay y'all real good. We give y'all stock options. Like literally, Apple is, they give stock options if you work for the retail store. They pay their workers the highest. I think it's like $21 an hour or something like that if you work at the uh, the Magic, the Apple store. And yet, there are another one of the companies that are facing union. The first union for Apple just got uh, approved by employees in a store in Maryland. Why are they fighting? Because they feel like Apple's profits are too much and they're not sharing enough of those profits with their employees. Part of it is a lack of understanding and the fact that, yo, you, if you get stock options, that's one of the best ways that they can share profits with you. But at the same time, maybe Apple needs to pay better. I don't know. Like when you pay $21 an hour, you're paying your workers pretty well. You're paying them pretty well. I never thought I would see the day that Apple would have a union, but it's not just Apple. Like it's kind of spreading all over the place. Trader Joe's, which is another company that does a very good job of paying its workers, is facing the same issues. Starbucks, well, Starbucks has other issues. REI is another one that pays its workers really well, is also having issues. I will lose it if Costco comes out and says like, yeah, people are trying to unionize for Costco because Costco has actually done a great job with its employees trying to get people back into school, all this stuff. But right now it's just like everybody wants their cake and eat it too. I'm not going to say like, yo, don't, you know, because if businesses will do the exact same thing, they'll fire you in a heartbeat. And so, you know, it's just the employee right now. Employees have power. This is why I say like, it's a weird thing that everybody's like, that's why I say it's going to be a weird recession. It's going to be a very weird recession where people will still be able to find jobs. And I'm hoping it's just going to be a financial market recession where, you know, stock market crashes, but it never actually goes into the real economy, which is something that people conflate a lot is like, oh, if the stock market is going down, it means like everything is horrible. Not necessarily because the stock market has a lot of sentiment built into it. But then again, when people's negative sentiment starts going into practice, we can sentiment ourselves. Or in other words, we can do do a self prophesying belief into a recession. In other words, when we talk about it and talk about it and everybody keeps saying, oh, we're going into a recession, we're going into a recession. Guess what eventually happens? We end up in a recession because when we talk about it, people start saying, you know what? I need to just save money. Rather than spending money, let me just save my money. And when you remember, remember your spending is another person's uh, is another person's income. And so when you don't spend, that's income that comes out from, from another person and by that, eventually businesses are like, yo, we got to let X, Y, and Z go. And then all of a sudden we're fully in a recession where unemployment actually goes up. So that could possibly happen, but I don't know. I don't know. It's an interesting thought to do. I, you know, side note, side note, side note, this podcast has been very rambly. I've been really thinking like, I need to host this thing with somebody else so we can actually talk about these topics rather than just me rambling on and on. So if you know anybody who would like to be on the podcast, please let me know. Because I would like to be doing these podcasts with somebody else at least once a week where we can just talk about this rather than me talking two times a week. Because it's a lot it's a lot more fun when there's somebody else on the other side rather than me just rambling by myself. But anyway, let's get into some stats of the week. Stat number one, $19 million. Someone just paid $19 million to have lunch with the Oracle of Omaha, Warren Buffett. This is the highest amount that has ever been paid for the opportunity to break bread with Warren Buffett. 
The previous record was $4 million. Now, before you freak out and it's like, oh my God, how come somebody pay $19 million? Yo, if I had that money and you had the opportunity to sit down with the Oracle himself, there's a lot of wisdom that he can share. But even more so, if he enjoys your company enough, even more so if he enjoys your presence enough, guess what he can do for you? He can complete, he can hook you up with other things. Like, that, that's the thing, like, you can, he can hook you up with a lot of things. But also remember, like, this is a charity funding uh, fundraiser. So I think over, over the last 21 years that this has been going on, $53 million has been raised. Now, I don't know exactly what the charity is called that it's raised for, but the fact is it's still pretty amazing. But either way, this is the last year that it will ever happen. But yeah, it's still crazy. $19 million to eat lunch with Warren Buffett. But it's pretty amazing. The access that you can get just from that one lunch is pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, next one, $51 million. Buzz Lightyear Toy Story's prequel did not exactly do as much as it was expected to do. It was closer. There were expectations for it to get closer in the like $70 million range. But it just flopped. I think part of it is some of the issues that Disney faced last year concerning the movie, some of the changes they made in the movie, and people were just like, I'm not taking my kids to that. And so, you know, Disney flopped. I mean, it flopped so bad that movies that people say are bad, Jurassic World, the the new Jurassic World movie that people are like, oh, it's so terrible. Somehow that movie is still reckoning in dollars, which goes back to the fact that how come when people say movies are terrible, it ends up actually being like some of the most gangbuster money-making movies of all time. Is it that we just like, yo, is this movie is really that bad. I got to see it for myself. Versus when it's like, oh my God, that movie was so good. It's like, hey, I'll see it when it comes out. <laughs> I don't know. Like, can y'all tell me why that is? But anyway, next number is $408,000. This is now the average cost of a new home here in the United States. $408,000. To put that into perspective, the median price, repeat, the median price, or not the median price, the median salary here in the United States is about, is about $58,000. In other words, you need to be making, what is that? 58 divided by four. You're making eight times, eight times your income to be able to afford a house. It used to be like you could afford a house that was 2x your income. Now you need two, you need to have a two dual income household for people to be able to buy a house. That's a problem. That is a problem. And senators out here talking about Jerome Powell. Why is the housing more expensive? It's like, I feel like Jerome Powell the whole time wanted to be like, fool. What y'all doing about it? I can't do jack deal about this. I, can I put laws in place? No, that's on y'all. But anyway, that's just a whole different thing. And then the last one is an internal memo got shared out from Amazon. And it said that they might lose workers. They may not have any more workers by 2024 to be able to hire. They might run out of workers to hire by 2024. And it makes sense because Amazon be running people into the ground. So why would anybody want to go work for Amazon? Like after people work for Amazon and people quit because Amazon runs them into the ground and then people quit and go to other jobs. Like people literally would be like, I'll work for Amazon for a few years, make a little money and go do something else. Yes, Amazon, you should be running out and you should be. Look, look at what they said of how they'll deal with it. They said, if we continue business as usual, Amazon will deplete the available labor supply in the U.S. network by 2024. They said, we have a turnover ratio of 159% within our warehouses. And they said, in order to fix this, we need to raise wages and increase automation. But above all else, we need to do a better job of taking care of our employees. Really? What an epiphany, Amazon. What an epiphany. It's always interesting. People talk about the fact that Jeff Bezos went to talk to the uh, founder of Costco. And... 
implemented a lot of the things that the founder of Costco talked about, like, you know, making sure you focus on customers, having the subscription revenue or subscription service. That's how Amazon Prime got started. And all this other stuff, like, you know, customers is always right, focusing on the customer, making sure the experience is great. But there's one part of the whole thing that he forgot. The other thing that makes Costco great is the way they treat their workers. I feel like Jeff Bezos was like, yeah, 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 forget that part. We're just going to focus on this part. And then he just threw out the worker part. And so, yeah, of course, Amazon, you're going to lose workers. Because guess what? All your workers going to work for Costco, going to work for, uh, 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 what's it called, Walmart? Going to work for Target, going to work for everybody else, minus the one you trying to, minus you. Why? Because you don't treat them right. Figure that out, Amazon. Even though I still want my two-day shipping. So, you know, I'm part of the problem. There's that too. <laughs> and then the final one, which is from Texas, and it's just dumb, in my opinion. Texas came out and was like, <laughs> 5,000 Texas GOP delegates, GOP just means Republican delegates, on Saturday came out and overwhelmingly passed a resolution questioning the 2020 elections, saying that it was rigged. They said, and I quote, we reject the certified results of the 2020 presidential elections. Man. And we hold that acting president Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. was not legitimately elected. They also called for, in quotes, the reassertion of its status as an independent nation. In other words, they said they want to secede from the union. And they're saying it like it's a legal thing. Like we can just secede from the union. Like, okay. All right, Texas. Either all these geo... Again, we go back to the fact that it seems like all our leadership right now is just inept. They don't understand the laws that they're supposed to be like, you know, overseeing or implementing. They apparently don't understand that you can't just secede from the United States of America. That's not legal. You got to go to war or something for that. So, like, it just... Uh, once again, we round back to how we started this off with, which is ineptitude everywhere in leadership right now. We have ineptitude everywhere. People just, just like, what are y'all doing? What, 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 what Leadership. Like, what are y'all doing? Please step up to the plate and do the job that you were voted in to do. Take responsibility. Do what you're supposed to be doing. But anyway, that's all I got. I hope y'all learned one, maybe two things out of this entire thing. Again, if you know anybody that would like to do this podcast with me, where we ramble for a few minutes and then hang up, uh, let me know. Anybody interested, let me know. Hit me up on social, on Twitter at ByKalechiWaba, on Instagram at ByKalechiWaba, or just email me at uh, ramblingmindshow at gmail.com but anyway that's all I got for y'all I hope y'all learned one maybe two things out of this entire thing and if you did share this podcast with one person that you love one person that you hate and one person you're just kind of like eh, about and by that time you to share with every single person that you know this is being your boy Kalechi I'm gonna catch y'all up on the next one remember generosity is always greater than greed God bless each and every single one of y'all and we out of here peace <laughs>